Thanks for joining us. I hope today's message builds your faith and inspires you to change the way you think. Today's message, we take a look at how God humbled himself and stepped into our world to become a servant, to be mocked, to be rejected, to be crucified for all of us. In order to be more like Christ, we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and become a servant just like he did. In part six of The Journey of the Follower, Pastor Dwayne will show us what it takes to be a selfless servant. We're gonna jump right back in with Jesus making disciples. In fact, as Jesus is about to leave earth and go to heaven, he's talking with his disciples. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Not believers, not somebody who just say, I'm a Christian, but a disciple. Now, notice he said to make them. In other words, it's a process. It's not something that you, you receive Jesus and instantly you're there. There is this process. So as we look at this, you're going to say, well, I'm sure not there. Well, that's good. Because what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to lift, we're wanting to encourage, we're wanting to stretch. How many want to keep growing? We're not content where we are. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he said, not that I have already obtained. In other words, he's saying, I have not arrived yet. There's still more for me in ways that I can grow and I can stretch and I can become more like Jesus. So, in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 23, I've got the Message Bible here. It says, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Now, when Jesus arose from the dead, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 that he spent 40 days with his disciples. And he's talking to them about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's Jesus' subject with them. Now, what, what this verse is telling us is this, because the church is to be the manifestation of the kingdom in the earth today, by the way. So what this verse is telling us is the most important thing that you do with your life is not your job. It's not your family. In fact, the most important thing that you do with your life has to do with the church, with the kingdom. Everything else that you and I do, a hundred years from now, probably will not make any difference, but everything and anything that you do in the church, in the kingdom, is going to make a difference. Now, the world looks and thinks that the church is kind of out there on the peripheral, but the, church, the truth is that God looks and he sees the church and he considers what he's doing in the church to be the most important thing that's happening in the earth, and what's happening in the world is peripheral. I thought I'd get a better response than that. <laughs> All right. The church is Christ's body, the verse goes on, in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. Now, now he fills everything with his presence. Everything that he does in the earth, he does by or through the church. That's you. Why doesn't God do something about why don't you? Because everything that God is going to do, he's going to do through the church, through you. That's how he's moving in the earth today. And for that to happen, 
We need to not be just Christians or believers. We need to be disciples. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the apostle Paul writes, and again, I've got the message today, which is a, a modern translation. How many of you know King James, the these and the thou's? You can get lost in all that. All right. Even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I voluntarily become a servant. I voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulously moralistic, loose-living moralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I don't take on their way of life. I keep my bearings in Christ, but I enter their world. I enter their world. You know, one of the things about being a Christian, if you're a Christian for very long, it seems like all your friends are Christians. I remember on multiple occasions, I've had people come up and they would say something like this, Pastor, I want you to pray I get a different job because all the people I work with are heathens. Well, you are exactly where God wants you to be. He wants you to enter their world. I enter their world and try to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into God's saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. You know, a lot of us as Christians, we just want to know something about it. We might talk about it a little bit, but we're not living it. We're not taking it anywhere. We're not going into anybody's world. But this apostle, he's talking about how he became a servant to everybody. He entered their world so that he could bring them the message. Now, as Jesus' disciples, we are to follow his example. And this is what Jesus said. He said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life. What Jesus is telling you and I is that our purpose should not be to be served, but to serve. Greatness is not how many people serve you. Greatness is how many people can you serve. I say this way, life is not about you or me. The disciple's life is about becoming a servant. The disciple is not self-focused. It's not about my glory or my ambition or my family, my goals, my success, my pleasure, my purpose. In fact, I would say that we have an unholy trinity nowadays. Right? And with that unholy trinity, I'm talking about people who are talking about my feelings, my wants, and my desires. And we put our feelings, our wants, our desires above everything else. Right? And we make ourselves a sovereign self. And it's all about me. And in that unholy trinity, really, it replaces the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's got plenty of people 
that are proclaiming that gospel right now, from scientists to economists, physicians, psychologists, educators, politicians, writers, actors, singers, artists. There's plenty of preachers proclaiming that gospel of self, that it's about my needs, my desires, my wants, right? And they're passionate, they're intellectual, right? But the fact is, it is a lie, or at least a partial lie. And they undermine the message that Jesus came to bring. He said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Right? And people literally today are trading in their holy Bible for a holy self. They've got their preferences, their feelings, and their needs, and their wants above everything else. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. And when he's saying at home or absent, he's saying in the body or out of the body in heaven, what our goal is, is to please him. Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know, and to what degree? Well, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes after me and doesn't hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sister, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He said to be a disciple... You need to put Jesus above everything and everything else. And by the way here, when it says hate, it's talking about a comparison. Right? It's not saying that you physically hate somebody. It's just saying that your love and your commitment to Jesus goes way beyond anything that you have to anyone who's on this earth. And Jesus said, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever will lose his life for my sake We'll find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? In Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Jesus' descent to become a servant. And it says in verse 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, rather in humility value others above ourselves, not looking to our own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Talking about selfless service that runs so contrary to our human nature. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset that Christ as, as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. So Jesus is worshiped for all eternity past. Angels are praising him. He lived in perfect harmony with God the Father, and he steps out of heaven and becomes one of us, 
takes on, the Bible says, the very nature of a servant. He humbles himself, and he's born in a stable. The creator becomes vulnerable. He forfeited all that heaven had. He was willing to be misunderstood, to be mocked, to be despised, to be betrayed, to be rejected, to be lied about, to be tortured and die, to serve you and me. He made himself, the Bible says, nothing. He became a servant to save us. And what we are to do is we are to follow his example. In fact, in 2 Peter, it says this, that you are called to suffer for righteousness' sake. It's amazing to me how nobody wants to suffer at all. And especially when they feel like they're doing right. But the Bible says that Jesus gave us this example and that we are called to suffer for doing right. We're called to suffer for his namesake, for righteousness' sake, for the kingdom of God's sake. We're called to suffer. We need to humble ourselves. We need to give of ourselves but only to the extent that we're amazed that Jesus came and became a servant and served us and redeemed us, do we humble ourselves and serve others. To the extent that we understand and perceive what Jesus did for us. Jesus' disciples didn't even get it. They're jockeying for position. One says, hey, uh, uh, I want to sit on your right hand and my brother on your left hand. They want a cabinet position. They want to be the secretary of state. They're looking for some sort of a position. And Jesus, he's about to go to the cross. And these guys do not get what he has come to do. In fact, in Luke 22, it says, then they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them? And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, not in God's kingdom. For I am among you as one who serves. Jesus came to serve. He, he didn't come to be exalted. He came to serve. And we need to do the same thing. Whether it's at home, in church, in marriage, in our relationships, in work, in our life, we need to do the same. You know, true greatness begins with a humble heart. True greatness begins with a humble heart. And a humble heart, listen, is formed while serving. It's formed while we serve others. As we give ourselves away, listen, we become fulfilled and secure. The self-absorbed are more depressed and lonelier than anybody else. That's why Solomon, way back 3,000 years ago, said when you search for fulfillment in all the things that the world searches, 
He said, it's like grasping for the wind. How many of you have ever got a handful? It's gone. It's gone. See, you think you're going to be fulfilled and secure and happy as you fulfill your wants, your desires, your preferences. But the truth is, you're fulfilled and you're secure when you give yourself away and you serve others. In Romans 8, Message Bible again, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsessions with self in matter is a dead end. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. You don't need to go far to serve. How many know you can serve at home? You can serve at church. You can serve at work. You can serve in your community. Again, Paul said, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. You know, you and I need to have that same attitude. I did all because of the message, he said. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. And I know that there's a lot of people today who come to church and they talk about it, but they're not really in on it. Right? You know, in church, there's really like three types of people. There's what I would call visitors, renters, and owners. Now, visitors, that's pretty easy. You know, they have no inclination to serve whatsoever. They're just there. They're from time to time, no real commitment, just there to receive something. But renters, they come regularly, but they're consumers. It's about me, my wants, my desires, my needs, right? And they're never really looking for what's my next step? What is my next step in the kingdom of God? You know, the Bible says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And every one of us, me included, need to be asking, what's my next step? What's my next step to draw near to God? What's my next step to be, participate in the kingdom of God? Right? Because some of us, we're just, we're just renters. Right? It's all about us. In fact, I would say it like this. We treat the church like a rental car. How many ever rented a car? How many of you waxed it before you brought it back? <laughs> How many have beat the snot out of it? You found out, you found out what it could do. All right? And you don't, you don't clean a rental car. All right? They make you fill it with gas, otherwise they're going to overcharge you. But otherwise, it's just there, you're just there to use it. 
right? That is the way most people who call themselves Christians see, act, and treat the kingdom of God in the church. They're just renters, right? But there's owners. See, and that's where we want to, that's where we want to all be. We want to be owners. We pray, we attend, we serve, we give of our time, our talent, our energy, our heart. All disciples, let me say something. All disciples of Jesus are servants. And they're even servants in the local church. It's not help me, serve me, I like, I want, I need, my kids, I think, my wants, my feelings, my needs. No, we deny ourselves. We take up the cross daily and we follow him. Jesus called them to himself and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They exercise authority. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, for whoever desired to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever desires to be first of you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, when we talk about serving and servanthood, what most people envision is they think of some activity performed by relatively low-skilled people at the bottom of the positional totem pole. And if you do that, you have the exact opposite oppression of what Jesus considers. Servanthood is not about position, by the way, and it's not about skill. It's about your heart. That's what it's about. And no matter where we are, we need to have the same heart and the same mind, which was in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself, who didn't take the privileges that he had, but was willing to walk away from everything in order to serve, in order to be a servant. The Bible says he made himself like nothing. Martin Luther King Jr. said this. He said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. A soul generated by love. Now, John 3, 16, best known verse in all the Bible. For God so loved that he, he gave. Do you know it is impossible to love and not give? You can give without love, but you cannot love without giving. You say, can you give without love? Yes, you can, because 1 Corinthians 13 says, well, what if I give all of my goods to the poor and I don't have love? It profits me nothing. So you can do something without love, but you cannot love without doing something. When you love, you give. And God is the greatest example. Because he loved, he gave his best. The Bible says he so loved. He so loved that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the, the best. 
And the degree that we love is the degree that we serve. It's the degree that we give. It's the degree that we sacrifice. And we're the happiest and we are the most fulfilled when we serve. Now, that is the exact opposite of what the world will tell you. The world will tell you when you meet all of your wants and all of your feelings and all of your desires, that's when you will be happy. But listen, you will be empty. Solomon said you will have just grabbed a handful of wind and it will be gone because you weren't created for that. Listen, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. Now listen, this is why you were created, that we may do the good works that God predestined. Simply means planned beforehand. Think about this. God created you, and he planned beforehand good works for you to do. Taking the paths he prepared ahead of time. Oh, this gets this even better, doesn't it? It's just not some random thing. He has paths prepared for you ahead of time that we should walk in them. Now, here's the part I love. Living the good life he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Here's what we think. We think the good life is when we meet all of our wants, all of our needs, all of our desires. But the good life you will never be more satisfied, more fulfilled, more happy, have more joy than when you serve, than when you do the things you were created to do. But we have got a world around us that is telling us the exact opposite, that if you want to be happy, you have to do this. If you want to be happy, you've got to meet every one of your desires and you've got to feel everything that you feel that ought to happen to you. You need to have that happen. It will not satisfy. Let me close with a story, true story. Many years ago, one stormy night, an elderly man and his wife entered the lobby of a small hotel in Philadelphia. Trying to get out of the rain, the couple approached the front desk and asked for a room. Uh, the, the attendant simply said, as friendly as he could, he said, I'm sorry, we have no rooms. There's three conventions in town right now. And uh, it's just every room is taken. And then he, he said, uh, but I can't send a nice couple like you out in the rain at 1 o'clock in the morning. Would you perhaps be willing to sleep in my room? It's not a suite, but it's good enough, I think, to make you comfortable at least for the night. And the the couple declined and began to leave, and, and uh, this young man pressed on. He said, don't worry about me. I'll make out just fine. And he assured the couple, and they agreed. And the next morning, they got up. They paid the bill. The young man told him, I'm sorry for your inconvenience. It wasn't really a suite like you wanted, but it was the best that we had. And the clerk looked at them and smiled and had a good laugh. And the, the uh, elderly couple they said, boy, you're sure friendly, and you're so helpful. He said, someday, I'm going to just build you a great hotel. Two years passed. The clerk had almost forgotten the incidents when he received a letter from the old man. He recalled that stormy night when they had been in New York, and uh, now he's in a different city, but they've got two tickets to New York. They asked him to come and pay a visit. 
The man led him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 34th and pointed to a big red building with stone towers and turrets, watchtower thrusting up into the sky. And the old man said, I built that hotel right there for you to manage. The young man said, you must be joking. He ended up, the man's name was William Waldorf Astor. And the hotel, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. The young man, George C. Bolt, the first manager. Now, for those of you who don't know, most prominent hotel in New York City in its day. Now, I want to just say something. Servanthood opens doors that would otherwise always be closed. Servanthood opens doors. You know, that, that couple noticed how they were served. But let me tell you something. When you serve somebody in Jesus' name, he takes notice. He takes notice. And there may be rewards in this life, but there's definitely rewards in the life to come. There was a missionary who had been in Africa for over 30 years. His health was bad. He was old. He was taking a boat back from Africa to the United States. And as they approached the harbor in New York, there was a band, there was a parade. But it was for Teddy Roosevelt. He'd been in Africa on a big game hunt. And he was coming back. And there was a parade. There, there was just all sorts of, of uh, hullabaloo about his coming back from Africa. And as the missionary got off the boat, there was not one person to meet him. And he was just talking to the Lord, and he said, Lord, he said, I thought when I'd come home that there would be a little bit more of a celebration. And the Lord spoke to his heart and said, you aren't home yet. You're not home yet. And it's not what happens here, but it's what happens for eternity. And as you serve, you make a difference in people's lives for eternity. What God does in the earth today, he does in and he does through the church. And you are the church. You are the church. If you're watching today, but you know in your heart that you're not right with God, and there is a hunger to be right, you want to be forgiven, would you please bow your head and pray this prayer with me from your heart? Make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. He's my Lord. He's my King. And I thank you that I'm forgiven, that my past is gone, that I'm a part of your kingdom today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that from your heart, God heard your prayer, and you are forgiven right with God and on your way to heaven. But you've just taken the first step into the kingdom of God. And I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually, and I want to send it to you absolutely free of charge. You can download a digital copy, or if you'll contact us, we'll see to it you get a hard copy. Again, full of bullet points to help you in your spiritual life. Thank you, and God bless you.
If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so happy for you. To receive a copy of Pastor's free book, you can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and request a copy of this book be mailed to you, or you can download it right there instantly. Either way, it's absolutely free. You can find today's message available for free on our app where you can watch it right there instantly or download it and save it for later. You can also follow along with Pastor's scriptures and share images on your social media. Or you can find today's program and others at walkingbyfaith.tv. Just click on Watch Latest Program. And as always, you can purchase a copy in the WBF store. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to help change the lives of others through Walking by Faith, please visit walkingbyfaith.tv give for more information on becoming a partner with us. If you need someone to pray with or God is just doing amazing things in your life, we want to hear about it. You can contact us by phone, email, through our app, or on Facebook or Instagram. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.